Hi, welcome to Swordnet Radio. This episode is a useful stick, and we're going to be talking about uses for a 10-foot pole. And we have a very special guest, all the way from sunny... Where are you from, dude? Derbyshire. Derbyshire. All the way from deepest, darkest Derbyshire <laughs> is Mark from the Champions. Say hello, Mark. Hi. And tell the people what the fuck you do. <laughs> so Champions is uh, is actually a superhero podcast rather than a fantasy one. Uh, and, yeah, what do we do? <laughs> Well, like most, like most role players, we act like fools, get slightly drunk, and say inappropriate things, and occasionally punch Nazis. Yeah, there are Nazis. It actually, as cliches as it is. Yeah. No, everyone should punch Nazis. We're about to punch Nazis. We're doing an act of Cthulhu <laughs> soon, uh, and Nazi punching is never going to get old. So, yeah, punch them out. Yeah, yeah, and I, I live in probably the right area because I live in the sticks to actually find a real Nazi to punch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, it's the bane of the UK reenactment circuit for World War II uh, historical reenactors uh, that there's too many Nazis. <laughs> the reason, or the excuse, sorry, I'm not going to say the reason, but the excuse that they, they try and, and, and give themselves is that British and well, allied uniforms are all really cheap and rough and like Hessian and just, just horrid, khaki and Hessian. And uh, the German uniforms were designed by hugo boss and made of wool and they're really comfy <laughs> so everyone <laughs> wants those <laughs> not at all because they're daily mail reading assholes <laughs> yeah, i learn something new every day <laughs> i'm just because this vision of all half the battlefield being in english uniforms and the other half being in brown boots <laughs> bleached yep. jeans and red braces <laughs> So in a useful stick, what we do is we take one single physical item that you might find in role-playing and try and find ways that are interesting to use that thing to improve your role-play. We've already done firearms, we've done swords, we've done shields, we've done warhammers. This time, we are going to do the ubiquitous useful stick, the 10-foot pole. If you've done old-school D&D, this was part of the standard adventurer's kit. Shutter lanterns, 10-foot poles... Iron rations and iron spike backpacks that were half of your um, your encumbrance. <laughs> a couple of ground rules, I suppose. It's any genre that occurs to you. We we can go sure. with that because uh, you get ten foot poles of all sorts. It doesn't have to be a ten foot wooden pole. Um, so you can have scaffold poles and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you can also modify the pole. It doesn't have to stay whole and just a ten foot pole. You know, you can you know, use other things maybe with it. All right. right, Okay. So, (laughs) uh, (laughs) one of the things that comes to mind straight away, if you've got a 10 foot pole as a former carpenter or am I a current carpenter? Is is it like once a carpenter, always a carpenter? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so as, as a carpenter, if you've got a 10 foot pole, you have a great many short poles (laughs) that are, that are handily stored for you. Yeah. Matches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you could use it as the world's largest kindling stick. You just sit there with a knife and just, you know, chip away, chip away. <laughs> but that's, it's kind of what they used to do with the Yule Log. So uh, for those who don't already know, the, the Yule Log, um, that that tradition of, uh, is a Scandinavian tradition, and used to cut down a, a huge tree and drag it into the long haul and just feed it into the fire. So, you know, foot by foot. Yeah, right. I didn't know that. The the length of time that that would burn for would be your, you know, your feasting time, or whatever. So, you know, the bigger the hall, the bigger the tree, and um, just keep burning it away. So, if you've got a ten foot pole, I mean, if it's got a bit of girth on it, you know, you could just 
make a fire with that. And long fires also are, are good for keeping you um, warm on really cold nights, like if you're out in out in um, sort of Arctic conditions and you, you don't have a, a round fire, you have a long one. Like you sort of you lie down, yeah, and it and it goes sort of the length of your body, and then you put something behind you, like a you know bivouac or you you lean to or whatever, and it you know contains all the heat, but it's it's not all concentrating in one area. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I feel like I'm a bit, like, a bit like I'm in a lecture theatre because I know nothing, <laughs> and, and you obviously have quite a good knowledge of well, historical is, things. I just I just watch Ray Mears, you know. <laughs> so well, going back to what you were saying about you know is that ubiquitous original you know if you played early D, you know it's one of those things everyone used to have mm-hmm. and you never really used to question yeah this is a fucking huge well, pole. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm about six foot tall so 10 foot pole i can pretty much visualize how the bollocks do you carry that around you with exactly yeah. and it's a pike be in your way all the time <laughs> well um, they was used to, to, to show people like carrying things or whatever. And the 10 foot pole would just be like, well, it's occupying the space above me. That's fine. That's, that's all right. But how do you go into a tavern? Like, do you just like put it outside? Yeah. You know, what do you, what do you put it on? Cause it's the size of a single story building, <laughs> including the roof. Like, how do you manage this? Was it 10 foot just because all the corridors were always 10 foot wide? Cause the great paper was always everything. Jesus. Ten, I never thought of that. <laughs> It always was, wasn't it? Yeah, ten yeah. foot square. Fuck. I think when you got to was it about third edition, it, everything dropped down to five oh, inch squares. Shit, it did, yeah, a uh, five foot square. Sorry, <laughs> I once, I once did try and make um, like a uh, like staffs and things. Never ten foot, but like various staffs that would break apart and then you'd screw together. You know, like um, a snooker queue or a like pool yeah. queue. And it ended up being ridiculously expensive. You can never get it quite right. It, it just occurs to me, why did they never make these poles that would just sort of break apart and, and you just go, oh, fuck it, magic, or, you know, yeah. yeah. Some, you know, someone smithed the thing and this will do it all like a collar or something like that. But that never came up in D&D. It's like, this is a 10-foot pole. It is a pole that's 10 foot long. It's not two five-foot poles. That's that's different. That's on that's on page 98. <laughs> it was just a given, wasn't it? It was like, yeah. you'd be a fool not to have one. Exactly, yeah. So, so I think my 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 first proper answer for like what would I do with a ten foot pole is I would immediately cut four foot off the end and I'd have a six foot walking stick and a four foot bashy stick. <laughs> the terminology for which, uh, if you're using like medieval terms, that's a cudgel, which doesn't necessarily have to have like a big knob on it, but yeah, just just you know, little bashy stick, it's a cudgel. World's largest magic wand. Yeah, like the bazooka of magic wands. <laughs> Is he fucking whizzy? Let's get fucking busy. <laughs> <laughs> just blast the shit out of you with you. Is that like a, like a log? <laughs> you know, just like slung at the hip. <laughs> Shoulder mounted wand. <laughs> All right. So, um, we've got a, a list for, for inspiration here and I'll probably like cut out the ones we don't do. So, um, let's see. Uh, this is from hack slash master dot blogspot dot co dot UK. Sweep the ground in front of you for tripwires and pressure plates. These are normal things. These are boring. Yeah, that's all I ever remember anyone using it for. Uh, if you've got a ten foot pole, well, you know the length of it. So having something that you know the length of is valuable. If you go yeah. like super, super realistic kind of stuff, is like uh, all the old measurements and things. People say, like, oh, you know, they had this many pints to the hogshead, and we're like, no, what you did was like, if you had a barrel of something, you have to send a stave of that barrel to someone so that they would know how large the barrel was that you were talking about. 
And if it was a different size to theirs, then they'd be able to compute the difference. And like, if you wanted to get fitted up for something, you either went yourself or you sent someone who was the same size as you. Which is what people used to yeah. do for army, you just send like a servant who was the same size to Italy. If you think about it, that servant could never eat. <laughs> they had to stay exactly the, the right weight and stay there for a year while they get fitted up for your armor. So if you've got a 10 foot pole, there's something you absolutely know the measurements of. So you can survey with that. You can know how large things are and thus, thus mapping, for example. I think one of the, like the first the first adventures in fourth edition was a mapping m- mission. It was you go to this thing and go to this old abandoned tower and you you, you uh, you're supposed to map it out and come back. But while you're there, all hell breaks loose and that's the real adventure. But what if you kill everyone and when you get to the end, you're like, okay, we'll get back to town. Where's my reward? Well, for what? I wanted a map. You haven't got a map. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea that the first fourth edition adventure is is a surveying job. It is, yeah, yeah, survey job. It's it's the one. There's the first thing they played on Acquisitions Inc. In fact, they just skipped the whole. You're there to map it out. Uh, Use it to open things. Boring. Yeah, that's what Mage Hand is for. I I suppose it's a it's a Mage Hand replacement, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it is because I don't. Yeah, AD and D. I don't think there was Mage Hand. You got an unseen servant, but because they didn't have cantrips as a thing, did they? No. Because that, that was in... Showing my age. <laughs> was that in 3rd edition or was that like 4th edition, the cantrips? It, I don't... I might have been in 2nd. I kind of want to hit the books now. <laughs> it's, sitting, <laughs> it's sitting just there and I can see it. Um, so that's where they started expanding out skills and things in 2nd edition. Yeah, because I, I, I want to say it was in 3rd. Because that's, that's when everything went to 5 foot. The 10 foot pole went away and it was... Maybe it was that function of you've got these cantrips now you don't need this you know it, it makes that item irrelevant yeah <clears throat> which is maybe why they, they said you know it can only lift this much and it can only act within this certain range and all that sort of stuff because it completely nerfed essentially nerfed the thief character for a lot of things so if you're not requiring to pick yeah. a lock you know if it's basic you know trap searching whatever you can take your mage hand and like just sweep the whole corridor with it just like you know spiral it around um yeah. and trip whatever so did they think of that? Did they think they were killing an institution? <laughs> yeah, it was a daft institution, though, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, you can place it across a pit or ledge to walk across. Dear God, if you can walk across a 10-foot pole, you, yeah, can, you yeah. can jump across a 10-foot gap. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sort of assuming that when it gets to a certain side, we consider it a log or a plank or something. So. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't say how, how thick it is. So if you've got a 10-foot log... <laughs> What what would you do with ten foot log? <laughs> Back to the bazooka idea. Yes, dear God. <laughs> ten foot log and coconuts. So how does a superhero use a ten foot pole? That's all I know. Or a super villain, because you're used to thinking for the villain side, aren't you? Ah, oh, the first thing I think is they just throw it away as trash. <laughs> Uh, you can't just throw away a 10-foot pole. There's got to be a whole no, narrative that goes with that. That's you know true. what I mean? You chuck it away, like it gets, gets into the wrong hands, and now there's a child with an enormous pole that's going to get himself in trouble. It's going to go off. All I can imagine is a large fire with the pole over it, <laughs> and someone spitted on the pole. Well, let's say Hong. Let's say Hong tied to the pole, not spitted. That's a bit too... Yeah, that'd, that'd be a bit, a, a bit, too, uh, a bit too hardcore for the average superhero, I think, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh, yeah there's certain genres it just doesn't work for isn't there really yeah. okay right you ever seen the Shaolin monks do their thing been I've, to one of these demonstrations I haven't been to a demonstration but I think I've 
I've seen them do stuff on YouTube or the telly or whatever. You know? They toured the UK about 15 years ago. I had the opportunity to go along uh, in Cardiff. And part of like the, the monkey style, I think it is, is that there's this tiny kid who does this. And uh, it's where you've probably seen it. Like they, they put the staff down and then they sort of like run up the staff. And they sort of crouch on the top of the staff and sort of look around. No, I haven't, but I'm yeah. going to look that up when we've finished. It's brilliant. And it's supposed to be sort of like evocative of monkeys kind of scaling a tree and looking out for, you know, um, ne'er-do-wells and whatever. But he does it on a five-foot staff, which, like, okay, you, like, you're a tiny child. You've gained two feet. Fine. Great for you. Oh, yeah, that works for you. But if, if you're a six foot adult, you've just lost a foot. <laughs> but if you, but like, if you're a really high level monk in D and D, you can do some fucking stupid things. So what if you could get a good vantage point and look out by running up a ten, your own ten foot pole? <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds. Yeah, it's, it sounds worth it just for the visualization of it. I kind of see in my head as well, just like getting up there, not just like perching on the side, like creating tension or something and like, you know, creating a balance point, but having the pole completely vertical and just like sitting cross-legged on top. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I imagine the, the, the awful karate kid pose. On. <laughs> yeah. Let's see uh, more of these things. Um, you can tie it to a prisoner to, insist in, uh, to assist in carrying them. Yep. Helmet on a stick. Okay. Yeah, yeah I see that. Yeah. Just stick it over the parapet sort of thing. <laughs> Uh, so you can use it to vault over dangers. There we go. Right. That's, that's a cool one. Apart from those old dungeons are all uniformly 10 feet, 10 yes. feet wide, 10 feet high. <laughs> but how about overland travel? Right. You know, you know, this like Nordic skiing, Nordic walking thing with like yeah, two yeah. ski poles and like pushing themselves on. Um, okay. So there's that if you've got two short staffs, right? But what if you're on boggy ground? Or you're in somewhere like the Netherlands. This is something that really happened in the Netherlands. They still do it now. It's like it's a it's a competitive sport where they vault over um, dikes, um, you know, drainage ditches. So the Netherlands is like just full of drainage ditches, um, as is Lincolnshire over here. And so to get around, people um, would have these these big long sticks, and they would just to sort of easy as walking, just you know, stick the, the the stick in the, the bottom of this ditch and just hoik themselves over. And if you've yeah. got a rhythm to it, it's it's a, a reasonably simple thing to do. Um, and you practice and all that, so so your grip's strong enough, whatever. But it came to a head, and I can't, I can't remember whether it was ne the Napoleonic Wars or, or whether it was like World War One or something like that, or, or it may be more recent. But um, there was there's an invading force that came along and chased these guys, and, and whenever they met in the, in in open battle, um, they would just decimate them. So they said, right, enough of that, uh, and scarpered, and they just disappeared in the countryside. And they couldn't catch up with them and what they did was then use their increased mobility because they could get around with these sticks to harass the enemy and to fight a guerrilla war essentially you'd see them coming a mile off but there was no way you could like change you know your this hot this huge army that has to sort of serpentine around all these fields and these this boggy ground and all sorts of stuff with its baggage trains and all that um which normally like strung out for miles at a time uh, and form up a battle group with uh, with the, you know, the amount of time that these guys are coming in a straight line, straight for you. Um, so they come in, take a few of you guys out, and then just like pull over, you know, so it's having a jolly romp, you know. Uh, it's kind of, kind of like a, a, a much slower version of um, Mad Max, you know, with, it, yeah, with the guys yeah. in the poles. It's just like... <laughs> um, so uh, that that's like an actual thing from history. Like, it's it's so good. Uh, I think it was on QI a while ago. Like it just strikes me as being the funniest thing ever. Yeah, it's, 
Did they not have any no missile weapons at all? <laughs> well, they could, yeah, but they're on boggy ground. There's only going to be like a, a few of you, and they're going to be attra- uh, attacking the baggage train. They're going to be attacking yeah, yeah, yeah. your supply your supply lines, which is great. <laughs> um, uh, and literally, all of that army needed to do. Let's assume they're all you know able-bodied folks who can, who can you know support themselves on a stick. All they needed to do was make some sticks, and they didn't. <laughs> That's not how we them. do it. They're not regulation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is an amazing one. The cleric can decide. It's the holy symbol of his god. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of that. It's all. It is a log, and it's like a it's like a six man carry. So the cleric has to get everyone <laughs> to carry <laughs> this. Carry it for him. <laughs> <laughs> but dear God, if that's not in a film you know somewhere, it. <laughs> it should be. Oh God! <laughs> you can interpose it between yourself and dangerous monsters. Okay, fine. I suppose you can use it to draw out things as well. Like if you wanted, uh, if you were going to have a duel, for example, you could even like put it in, put it in a center spot and create a radius. So you got a twenty foot radius. Yep. To keep you honest, because sometimes what happened in a duel is, um, if it, especially if it's a trial by combat and not just a, a duel of honor, um, one one of you dies, pure and simple. If one of you falls over and knocks yourself out, then you still die. You get taken away and hanged. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes uh, they call it fighting in the barriers as well because they put these uh, wickets or these gates around, um, like like a fence basically, and then if you hit the sides of that arena, no matter what size it was, it was considered running from the enemy. You know, if, if you were supposed to be right and righteous and innocent, oh, whether you were there's lots of dirty enemy. fighting there, then, wasn't there? Oh, dear God, yes. <laughs> uh, so, I don't yeah, have to like, beat him, I just have to make him not the barrier. Yeah, yeah, so literally you've got to just look mean at someone, stamp your foot, and they take a step back, hit the barrier, and they're taken away in hand. Great. Easy payday. Yeah. Uh, these these are situations where, um, in order to impress upon you how serious it was, you were required to bring your own coffin. <laughs> but if you won, you wasted all that money on a coffin. <laughs> You're going to kill someone else, you know, put it to good use. Well, it's incentive to keep going. You know? <laughs> Ponting seems... I mean, I genuinely suggested it just as a jokey thing, because I thought, it's such a bloody useless item. It's so <laughs> impractical. <laughs> Like, it's useful once you've decided what you want to do with it, but you've carried it around for six years. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea that a troop of sort of wandering mercenaries effectively would be all, mm. all walking around with a 10-foot pole is just, well, like, just maybe, mad. Once upon a time, I mean, like, I'm thinking of like the, 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 the Landsnechts and um, the Swiss mercenaries and things. They, 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 they had uh, halberds, so they just huge... Um, things and you know the, um, they, they were known renowned as halberdiers, and that's um, easily ten foot, easily. And these great big two-handed swords, these zweihanders, you know, with sort of the the tines coming off and all that sort of stuff, are, are a direct response to the halberd because the halberd is like such a big axe blade. That if you put your sword up and block it, and it goes down to the the cross guard, it's still going to hit you. Yeah. So like, they would go around the countryside. Just um, touching people up for some money, you know, um, and it's, it's a huge protection racket. So you would literally get people with ten foot poles and whatever, and they might not want to actually carry this huge weight at the end of it. So they might take the the actual head off it, and they'd be left with this ten foot pole, sort of slightly pointy ten foot pole, and they got their actual axe head in their backpack or something. Which might be a use of it. I know you use a fitter head to it, but like just before yeah. I said, hang on a second, I'm just going to get my riveting uh, hammer out. <laughs> yes, yeah. give me five minutes. 
I mean, that is completely off the subject, but, you know, the older I've got, I mean, I still enjoy role-playing games and all that, but sometimes find it hard, the suspension of disbelief, and I suppose maybe that's the thing with the superhero thing, is it is, it's completely yeah. disbelief. There's no no pretext about, I want to be sort of pseudo-medieval or whatever, because mm-hmm. the idea of a group of hardy warriors wandering around for years on end... <laughs> Uh, with a bedroll and a backpack yeah Yeah. and surviving and uh, not being horrendously incapacitated by the time they retire just seems a bit bizarre but like and this is probably uh, a topic for discussion uh, for another useful state but like when people get into a fight people never ever narrate fighting with a backpack on like you've got all this kit you're carrying it constantly yeah yeah tell me you're taking it off like it's you're still wearing this stuff throwing your balance off and yeah, and dear God, just uh, having a backpack means you can't raise your arms to hide because you push your shoulders back. Uh, we'll, we'll have to get into that at some point. Okay, so if you if you gave a ten foot pole, like if it's it, this is a ten foot pole of say let's say a scaffold pole, something metal. So like we're, we're constantly thinking about a wooden pole. I think here, like is yeah, that yeah, we are, yeah. safe to assume. Yeah. So like, what about a metal pole, a metal scaffold pole, a metal scaffold pole? Because a superhero with super strength, for example, that's that's an easy one. But you, yeah, you've got yeah. a guy who is it plays Stratus who, who can fly. Stratus is Scott. Yeah. So if, if Stratus decided, he's going to get this ten foot pole, and I'm right, I'm going to scoot up a hundred feet and just uh, line just this one it. up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything dropped from sufficient height, I know, but but you know, a scaffold pole's got a bit of oomph behind it. Yeah, it just turns into a massive hole punch. <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> but then, like, if you've got super strength, well, maybe take a scaffold pole, shove it into a uh, a manhole cover or something, and use that as a as a, as a huge club or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the idea of a metal scaffold pole as well. I've obviously got bazookas and RPGs on the run, but just that hollow, you know, in my, in my, in my youth. Oh, you're going to catch some fire, Firing rockets out of, you know, sort of little, uh, hollow poles, you know, bonfire night and things is, uh, yeah. perfect for it. I never, I didn't think of that, which is odd because I did spend a lot of my youth making explosives, but always, <laughs> always in short, short pipes, uh, or bottles or, uh, I'm, I'm probably gonna have to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> no, to be fair, if I'm on a list, I'm on a list. Um, <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. We've, we're all grown up now, so <laughs> it's behind us. <gasps> right. Noir setting. Okay. You're being chased. You, you know, you've got the, the data stick or something or, or yeah. the plans or whatever. Um, you know, like the MacGuffin in noir stuff is always small, isn't it? It's always something, you know, or modern things. It's always something small, right? Yeah. So it can be man portable. So that, you know, someone can, you know, it's either a location or it's it's a little man portable thing. So what about you know, you're a player. You go right. Is there any scaffolding near me? Because it's always open at one end. It is, or it's yeah. got those. It's got those little um, plastic caps. Um, they put on it to stop it, like stop people walking into it and hurt themselves too much. Yeah. To be fair, I think yeah. survival of the fittest, but you know, take them off. Uh, <laughs> but you can get one of those off and just you know throw whatever you've got in there, and that's that's like an interesting check to make as well, and all that sort of stuff. Storage is a really good idea. But you go back the next week and they've taken the scaffold down. <laughs> 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 well, it's a whole whole quest in itself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what if it's bamboo and it's oh, flexible? It is, yeah. You've got a catapult right there. You've got someone strong enough. You don't even need to set it. You know what I mean? You can just have them hold it and just like, yeah. 
Yeah, going back to that lopping thing, I saw. I don't, I don't know where I found it. I found about about six or eight foot piece of bamboo, mm. but not your sort of garden centre. It was it was a I don't know a couple of inches across. Made a brilliant staff. Mm. Just the uh, I don't know what the, what the proper name for it is, you know, because it's in segments. You know, it was uh, yeah, and it was quite old. So I can't remember where I found it. So it looked mm. quite impressive. Well, well in my I, opinion, anyway. <laughs> There was a guy once, um, and if you're listening, hello, who wanted me to make him like oversized, uh, lead weighted versions of various things to train with so that he could train indoors and have like a, you know, a realistic weighted thing or have a, an overweighted thing to train his, um, forearms up and things like that. And one of them was, um, a five foot long uh, staff, but it was two inches wide, just over two inches wide. So he couldn't quite close his grip around it with lead in either end as a training device. Um, but if you got, uh, if you don't have lead and stuff like that, then, you know, what do you do to add weight to something? You add length to it. So, you know, something like, um, something like that might be a training device. So I was trying to think of like a way that a 10 foot pole might actually exist in your world for a reason. Um, <laughs> yes. Or like, or like maybe it's a tent pole. Yeah. Tent pole. Maybe it's a, so this has now become like, how do we, how do we crowbar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bowling? Cause it's plainly ridiculous. <laughs> I really didn't think you'd take me up on this pole, to be honest. <laughs> How did you? Wait, you suggested. Did, did you it, ever? That there's um. Now I'm sure it worked with the ten foot pole. When when you were a kid, did you ever do the thing where you make like a, a long dart and you would tie a rope around the back flight of it? You'd hold, t- take the rope or the string to the tip, and you would use the rope to add leverage to so you could oh, throw yeah, it yeah, a yeah. really long way. I wonder like how far one of those in a ten foot pole would go. You'd have to you'd have to like properly wind up for it. It'd be like a hammer throw, clerk cross with a javelin. Yeah. Uh, the thing you're talking about is an atlatl, um, and that's usually a, a, like another stick, which like fits in. It's, it's got a little hook on the end of it, and it it fits into a notch on the back of your javelin or, or wherever you're throwing, and it, it sort of gives you like another elbow joint, um, and thus like much more energy generation. And people used to use it in like the Paleolithic, Neolithic. Even up, even up to like you know the well into the the discovery of um, Australia and things like that by Europeans, it was you know people still using atlatls and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, it was absolutely yeah, definitely would do that. But like there wouldn't be a way of us knowing if they used rope because they would look identical essentially. Like there'd be maybe a slot cut across, but how would you tell really? Um, and how would you know if? This is going to get really technical and archaeological, <laughs> so it's plausible, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, but for a 10-foot pole, you'd need to, like, get a lot of force behind that, a lot of centrifugal force behind that. That'd be fun. Have <laughs> <laughs> you got a big field near you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of, like, how... Right, so how... Right, you're a GM. You need to give a 10-foot pole for some damn reason to your party. How are you going to do it? And it can be metal, it can be... Wood, How are you going to glass. give it to them, or what's the reason for giving it to them? Both. Like, <laughs> why, why is it in this world? Why do they fucking need it? Why would you give them a ten foot pole? <laughs> well, I'm looking at someone's. Um, well, I will give them idiot the name, but I can't see it at the moment. I just did a quick search, like you did, and someone's put, and it was something about using it as a rolling pin while being caught in the giant's kitchen to roll dough. <laughs> <laughs> So no, 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 mate. Uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to steal your stuff. I'm just. Um, I'm the chef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? You never heard of this? <laughs> you want to talk to your missus, mate? I mean, I didn't say it, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he's cockney. Why wouldn't he be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Desperation. First accent you could think of. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, um, a, a poll does for you. Um, as someone who um, walks a lot, um, I have in my hand right now a, um, a six-foot-long um, oak staff that I, I made out of a sapling. And I'm, I'm based sort of on the edge of a town next to the countryside. So it's, it's a short walk and I'm in the countryside. There's little country roads and nowhere in Britain is, t- is that remote that you'll not see a car all day. Um, so I'm walking along these little country roads. And when I'm walking with this stick... The reaction I get from, um, like, uh, like loads of lads in cars, for example, will always like, you know, beep the horn and I'll always hear this kind of, you know, as, as they go past, <laughs> which I assume is something vaguely positive. Um, uh, otherwise the stick will be finding its way into their, um, their windscreen. But it seems involuntary, like they have to, like they'll wind their windows down and make sure that I can hear this. <laughs> uh, but old men, almost uniquely old men, will act like i am their best friend they haven't seen for ages and this is like you know they'll, they'll say hello to me they'll, they'll uh, ask me about the stick and all something like it's just a stick i made it in about half an hour with a pen knife and well i suppose to be fair the tree made it in a lot longer time but um the the reaction is immense so if you had a 10 foot pole if you wanted to create a scene right to 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 create a ruckus or a diversion or whatever that isn't going to get you in trouble walking down the street with a 10-foot pole in a modern setting is legal yeah. everywhere absolutely everywhere because it's it's a, just a stick you don't have to have a reason for it it's not a weapon because uh, i remember like once i bought a joe staff in a, a martial arts shop uh and he, he sort of wrapped it up and you know um, in, in bin bags and went hey it looks like you've got you know you've got a uh, a fishing rod there or whatever like oh you know this is what people are going to think it's like no i've got a stick what's wrong with that <laughs> you know yeah. you dodgy ass motherfucker so i think like if you wanted to, to distract people in a pretty easy way just make sure everyone's looking at you having a feckin' huge stick that is above everyone's head it's gonna do it yeah it is because the first thing that's going to cross most people's mind is what the fuck are they doing <laughs> But if you for? just, but if you, if it's a, if it's a scaffold thing, people will assume you've just liberated it from somewhere and arrest you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if you just cut a, cut a bit of tree down, you, you often find these, you know, quite thin trees everywhere. You know, it doesn't have to be completely straight. You're just using it for a bit of a, a bit of a distraction, maybe even a bit of foliage on top. You know, <laughs> find it, find it, find it growing at the side of a road. You know, that just sounds just so much more comical. Just this temple pole, with just a little <laughs> greenery on the top. Yes, people are like, what are you doing? Oh, I fancied some shade. <laughs> Just See, not I that close. If it was scaffold pole, you would you would have to have the obligatory cone on your head as well. I feel. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear God. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking now that that, that a ten foot pole just needs a, a traffic cone on top as well. <laughs> <laughs> just just like stick it in the ground as well and just leave it there, and you know everyone's going to be looking at that for a good five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still just casting my eyes over this, and I'm getting lots of really sensible. Uh, yeah, it's all really slight, sensible. But slightly obvious suggestions. A fishing pole. Okay, yeah. It gives a fuck about sensible. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it, isn't it? A metal pole can be used as a lightning rod. Technically, anything can be used as a lightning rod if it conducts electricity, and yeah. a bit of wood can conduct electricity. Um, it's a bit of a misnomer that it's um, a, a, such an insulator. If you have just cut it down, it's still full of water. Like in the dead of winter, maybe it'll be dry enough that it'll insulate. But when you're working with wood, and it's like stripping the bark off a, a tree you've just you've just cut. It's just flat out wet. You know, um, I, I I used to cut down a tree, cut it into sections, and then take it and um, 
and turn it on a lathe and you'd be soaking wet by the end of it. It'd just be spitting at you. Um, like people think of sap and they think of like hard and like sticky yeah. stuff and it's not, it's, it's mostly water. Um, so yeah, a, a, a long 10 foot pole that you just cut down and are walking through town using it as shade will, it will act as a lightning rod. You just got to place it high enough up that it's, you know, more attractive than yeah. the rest of it or the rest of your surroundings. Trees do still get hit, you know, still, you know, still do get hit by lightning. It's only like yeah. seasoned timber that doesn't. I've got one here. He says, but that's obviously my, my, dark sense of humour, pushing the inept climber from below to assist their climb. The first thing that I, I didn't read it like that, I just saw the mm-hmm. word climber and I just had visions of pushing climbers off while they're climbing. And just <laughs> as they get to the top. Well, like, just have a, have a, um, uh, I suppose it's, it'd be like uh, running a climbing crash, wouldn't it? Like for, for little kids. And you, you have um, a harness on their back which has got a little receiver for your pole. And he's like, this, that sounds really bad. Uh, <laughs> so, so it's, it's like, um, like taking, you, you've probably been in a clothes shop where they've got, um, like a big cherry picker type pole thing and they just like get things yeah, off yeah. super high shelves. It's like that. Just like take it off, take them off at the end. It's like, Oh, right. Is he topped out? No, right. Get him off. There you go. <laughs> little Jimmy seems to be shaking a little bit there, right? <laughs> off you come. I have used a 10 foot pole before. I've just realized this now, but what was definitely a use for an outsized pole back in the day was as a referee staff. Um, because if you're judging a sword fight, even if they're using blunted swords and whatever, you do not want to get in the middle of that. And if you need to separate people, having a great big stick is pretty useful. And so you might think, you know, um, people generally like, um, take the point of it and like you hold it in the last quarter, you take the point of it so they can both see it and they lift it up so they know when to fight. Because if they got like padding on or lots of stuff, they might not hear you. So visual rec- representation. So like you can use it as a signal, like semaphore and stuff like that. But when it gets to grappling, and a lot of sword fighting ends in grappling and, and getting up close and personal with people, and and people's like they they start raging, <laughs> and um, it's not easy to back off from a grapple. You know, you have to tough it out because if you just go limp or, or you stop resisting or and go, what are you doing? That could be the moment that someone snaps your arm in half. And I, I've seen that literally happen, um, where someone someone broke um, the, the the bones in their upper arm clean across uh, in a uh, in an armbar, uh, and it was only the fact that the guy. Um, didn't go limp and the other guy just uh, heard it go and what you know wasn't raging and was just and went oh crap and held his arm in the right place it didn't die um because you, you can bleed out um so but i've seen people like get properly raged in and not you know and just tie themselves in knots and literally not be able to sort of not be able to relax because they don't know and they can't hear you um they don't, they don't know it's ended and all that sort of stuff so you get a big stick and you wedge it between them and you use it for leverage you know you just uh, <laughs> Tie meat to the end to feed hungry wild animals. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a play. This might be the same one you read. The play on the using it as a holy symbol for the patrons of of excessive force and water fetches. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Can you imagine, like, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, that's your formal wear. You know, <laughs> you've got a rod that you carry around for adventuring, but your formal wear is a ten foot pole. So if you like, the king has summoned you. <laughs> you make damn sure he knows you're there. <laughs> I just got this idea, this image of sort of a Python-esque type thing where you're trying to navigate your 10-foot pole through the door. 
with 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 grace and decorum obviously you, you role play having this 10 foot pole at all times right and, and always paying attention to your to your 10 foot pole and holding it and sort of you know rocking back and forth with it and you know um sort of gyrating essentially while you're praying or whatever and then like deep into near the near the end of your campaign you uh role play doing this and you're sort of rocking rocking back and forth and sort of gyrating with this 10 foot pole or whatever and then you just go and you stop and you look up hold out your hand and a plate falls down <laughs> god i'm trash <laughs> just being invisible on the top all the time <laughs> uh so where would you find a 10 foot pole then we're back to that question of how do you give, not why, but how do you give them a 10-foot pole? Well, in modern days, you've pointed out, you know, it's quite easy because you've got scaffolding and there's always somewhere yeah. being built. And that that would be like bamboo if you're in a you know uh, Asian setting, possibly. You know, obviously, yeah, they've got steel out there as well, but like, yeah. European, um, there's plenty of trees, but saplings, I don't know, 10-foot, is that a bit? 10-foot sapling, like, it would be a bit, maybe a bit thick at the bottom, but like an oak sapling. Yeah. They tend to grow pretty straight and narrow, especially if it's like in a bit of woods that's been cleared recently. And it's like, that's the first thing that grew up. It just shoots up to fill the space. So it doesn't grow out a lot. Um, so yeah, like if you've got a clearing, you might have a sapling right in the center of it. That's, that's growing up and producing some shade, which is a nice little vignette, isn't it? <laughs> the shop. That's where they can find one. The shop. Yeah. I don't know, two copper or something. I don't know. I can't what remember. Like if you go to B and Q, like in a modern setting, right? So if you go to B and Q, they make these poles, uh, and yeah, you can get like ten, fifteen foot pole or whatever. Um, but like as as a dowel, and well, they used to they used to do yeah. these huge ones. Uh, I don't think they do them that long. It's only like a meter now, but they used to do these absolutely massive ones. Um, but they were all like um, nine inch lengths that they'd cut a specific pattern into that that helps glue, and they just glue these nine inch lengths together. If you put any weight on that, it's going to snap yeah. into a million pieces. Then maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's a mate. That's, that's exactly what you want. You know, <laughs> I can think of lots of uses for a 10 foot pole, but just none that really any adventurer worth a soul would ever need. <laughs> yeah. None worth the, worth the fuss of carrying around a 10 foot no. pole. <laughs> Apart see, yeah, from. As a punt, as a fishing rod, as a, yeah, yeah. All those sorts of things. But, Apart from, hey, baby, look at my pole. That is the ultimate. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah, if it's 10 foot, yeah. That, that priest with the, is, the pole. Yeah. This, this is my importance pole. <laughs> this is how you know I'm an important person. It's like, it's the ultimate swagger stick, isn't it? It's, the thing is, unless you're a giant, then you're going to pass out before you can do anything with it. <laughs> See, um, what about a glass pole? Because there was a there was a one of the baddies in the uh, fifth edition box set, the new red box that was called Glass Staff, and he had a glass oh, staff. Oh yeah, I haven't played it. And I've I haven't seen the rules, but there's been so many podcasts that have covered that scenario that uh, yeah, I've, I've heard it a few times. But, yeah, but there you are with a glass staff. You've got this glass glass rod. Let's call it a ten foot pole for for shits and giggles. What the fuck do you do with a glass staff other than it being a magical item? Like, what use is there to have an actual rod of glass? I think, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe it is a fantastic, like, magnifying glass or something. But yeah, you've got to have someone at the other end holding it really steady. <laughs> I mean, how thick would it have to be to maintain its own weight mm. at 10 foot? 
if you don't bear in mind lots of modern composite type well if if you can materials. assume some magic as well like it was just made like as well as well as it could be or just you know suspension of disbelief say this is how it is then like maybe okay you paint the outside of it go with me on this <laughs> you paint the outside in black and then you get a very strong uh light source or usually like a, a mage cantrip or something like that for for for, for producing light or like sunburst light or whatever and it's got to travel down this pole <laughs> but anything that's not traveling in the right direction is going to get eliminated so you're basically making a, a like a rudimentary laser <laughs> what are we so thinking? I, was, I was thinking small i was thinking oh quite a quite a focused torch yeah <laughs> <laughs> think big mark think big <laughs> so you could shoehorn in lightsabers into your into your fantasy setting <laughs> maybe or but it's just got a 10 foot handle uh, <laughs> or maybe like um you can use it as a like a, a really really accurate signal so if you want to you know send signals to someone that you've got that set up um or like a fire or something in front of a light source that you can block off and uh it focuses it so much it's only in one direction so that nobody else that that's not intended for is going to see it yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking he was That's starting to undermine the shuttered lantern. Then, but no, <laughs> you're not. You're not. You're That's, That's far too sensible for for us tonight. I think. Um, I think this one was a real toughie. To be fair, God, yeah, yeah. You picked a doozy. Uh, so sorry. <laughs> fuck it. We got it over with. You know what I mean? <laughs> do you know? Do you know what our people voted for for the next useful stick episode for uh, the Sodnut Crew when we're around a table? Oh God, <laughs> bed rolls and backpacks. We're doing backpacks and bedrolls. Again, another, yeah, there's lots of sensible things. The most, the most but... boring thing that, that, that they have. Oh, God. Uh, but then we get the Sword Knot crew around and maybe get drinking and uh, we'll see what happens. Shall we do something to sign off? What would be a good way to sign off a useful stick, do you reckon? Because we've never quite managed it. <laughs> <laughs> just drop the mic. And yeah, just it. drop the mic. Um, so... Like, cause, cause the shtick was originally, uh, the reason we called it a useful stick was that a Warhammer, um, everyone focuses on, you know, I hit them with my Warhammer type thing, but what you've got is a really unwieldy, not very useful piece of metal that only really does one thing on the end of a very, very useful, versatile stick. Yeah. This is nothing but the useful stick. And it's <laughs> yeah. so, it's so useful when you've got a use for it. <laughs> that it's unbelievably boring but getting it to a place where you've got and um, you've got that use and you can actually use it is such a bore lake that no one is ever gonna stick it out that long and also not not the first thing being going i've got a 10 foot pole the very first thing i'm going to do to make it useful is make it a different size <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm going to make it several different poles yeah because you, yeah, you could you could fashion a one-man tent out of the 10 foot pole or yeah well, yeah, you could you could almost like uh, you could you could you could make an entire bivouac frame out of it. Yeah, you cut two two sixteen inch lengths off one end, uh, tie them to an end. You got an, you got a little triangular frame. Easy, lie under that, throw yeah. some stuff over the top. You sorted, done. Um, far too sensible. Far too sensible. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the ten foot pole, the ultimate useful stick that isn't useful at all. <laughs> Uh, Mark, tell the people who you are and where they can find you. So yeah, I'm Mark. I'm from the Champions Podcast. You can find us at www.champions.co.uk. 
uh, on Twitter as I think actually on Twitter it's Champions RPG. <laughs> I'm so used to, I'm signing to it all the time. I can never remember what it's actually called. Uh, or you can email me direct at mark at champions.co.uk as well. Cool. And I'm Paul. You listen to Sordnet Radio. You know who the fuck I am. And if, if you don't, and this is your first episode, um, it doesn't get any better. Sorry. <laughs> it does. <laughs> really fucking doesn't, Mark. Don't get your expectations up. Don't do that to me. <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode of a useful stick i really do recommend you go listen to mark's podcast champions it is fantastic if you would like to support swordnut radio please go to patreon.com forward slash swordnut radio and consider throwing us a few dollars anyone contributing a dollar or more gets access to the secret feed where this episode was posted about a week early and there's a separate episode with digressions and bloopers and things where we went a bit too off topic but it was still interesting episodes are usually on there about a week early and you'll find bonus content if you don't fancy throwing money at us how about a review the best way you can help us is to write a five-star review on itunes or stitcher or a podcast review site of your choice so that it helps us in the search engines and algorithms so that we get in front of people we wouldn't ordinarily reach and while the big bag of merch holds out we'll be doing a little giveaway for it so if you take a screen grab of your review and send it to me swordnutradio at gmail.com swordnutradio at gmail.com or on twitter at swordnutradio or on our facebook page I'll get a hold of you find out your details and we'll send you some merch thanks for listening